Hello, this is Jenny Nichols, and this is Local Share Green Action, a podcast where people share their stories about meaningful, planet-friendly work in their local communities. They share their paths of green action and the ways they have applied their own talents, interests, and all types of green projects, jobs, businesses, volunteering, and careers. Their adventures are inspiring and insightful, and how they overcome challenges reveal keys to more successful systems we can use in our own lives and communities. Today on our podcast, I'm speaking with someone who is the founder of a nonprofit that's reducing retail component waste. I'm speaking with Andrew Frank, the founder of the nonprofit Space Cadet in Reno, Nevada. In the years he spent working at retail stores, they threw out fixtures regularly. But one day while working for one of these companies, he received an email informing him that the warehouse that stored the company's retail fixtures was to be sold, and they had two weeks to ship whatever they wanted. Everything left would be discarded into a landfill. Andrew ended up shipping over 100 pallets worth of retail fixture components to his house, not wanting to see it go to waste. The company he worked for paid $375,000 to have someone come and scrap the remaining $1.2 million worth of brand new retail fixtures and later announced they'd be spending $2.1 million the next year to replace the inventory. Andrew then made it his mission to prevent this from ever happening again with his nonprofit Space Cadet to help companies repurpose their components responsibly. Welcome, Andrew. It's so nice to have a chance to speak with you. So nice to be speaking to you. I'm so excited to find out more about your path of green action that led you to founding a retail component refurbishing and reuse business. So what planted the seeds for you to want to take some kind of green action originally? Uh, it was actually a single, it wasn't even a coffee cup. It was actually a coffee cup stopper. So I had a friend visiting. Um, I woke up early to go get us our morning coffee and uh, I came back and the barista had actually put one of the plastic drink stoppers in the cup. And my friend made kind of a snide comment, like where I couldn't tell if she was joking or not. And so I just asked her and I got a very in-depth uh, education on microplastics and specifically the waste associated just in our economy uh, with plastic, everything. And yeah, it was, from there, kind of the curse of knowing, like uh, once I, we talked about it, something I couldn't unsee and you just see it everywhere, the amount of waste uh, that's generated with plastic specifically. And so from there, I just committed that I would never use a single use coffee cup. Uh, so I committed to, yeah, I mean, that was it. That was, that was the start. And um, once that became habit, uh, you kind of look towards the next thing and uh, just try to keep doing better, you know? Okay, so to start, can you tell us what um, are typical components and fixtures that are used in, re in the retail industry? Yeah, absolutely. So there are your apparel displays, which are, you know, large metal racks, you know, a lot of plastic components, hangers. Uh, yeah, your jewelry cases, lots of glass, lots of fluorescent lighting, LED lighting, and you know, it's funny, like uh, a lot of this stuff gets discarded just because it's old or scratched, but you know, there's still so much usable material within what's going into the landfill. Excellent. So do you have 
did you have any ideas initially how you might find new places for all of these items that were shipped to your home? <laughs> I did not. So that's, I still think it's kind of a funny story because it's totally different when you're filling out a spreadsheet versus when it actually shows up in at your house. And so it was actually delivered Halloween night, whatever, 2018, I believe. Uh, delivered Halloween night. And so I knew I could break it down and, and store it. But then all of a sudden, like, you know, there's all these truckloads of fixtures and I'm trying to like break it down. I spent all day doing it. It goes into the evening and not that I would ever try to hide from the trick-or-treaters, but like it basically got to the point where, because, you know, I'm in my front yard doing this stuff, like the year before we went through one bag of candy and long after everybody else in on our street had shut down, like turned off their lights we still had trick-or-treaters coming to our house. We had to keep running to the store to get more candy for the kids. <laughs> uh, Love it. <laughs> so, um, so what types of work did you need to do to like prepare these items to be used in their places? Yeah, so, you know, from, I, I was lucky enough to work for one of the most amazing brands in the world, uh, in my opinion, and, you know, really was educated on the brand side from, really where the root of this problem is and that is with branded fixtures you know you don't want your name showcasing somebody else's product so uh, when we receive a donation the first thing we do is find a way to strip all branding and turn it into generic in the sense that it's not technically identified with any single brand yeah and then from there it's identifying the usable material uh, and figuring out exactly you know if it can serve another purpose or where we can install it back in market. But uh, yeah, it's basically just strip branding, repair, um, and upcycle and make it look new again. Nice. <clears throat> so are you using things like welding and painting and carpentry and that kind of thing? So I do enjoy working with wood, but when I was conceptualizing and trying to execute what we're doing, I wanted, my whole goal with it was to build something and find you know a way to do this where anybody in the country could do it. And while it absolutely does help to know, just I would say be a little bit handy more than anything, but um, I think it really, success with it just comes down to feeling, being willing to exert the effort uh, and actually take the time to pick this stuff up and uh, make it new again. You know, it's kind of, uh, it, it, it's funny to say, but this was the, the other half of like me starting Space Cadet was I ended up, I wanted cabinets for my garage. And I didn't, so I ended up getting free cabinets off of Craigslist, you know, just these super old uh, cabinets from a Tahoe kitchen that someone redid. And I brought those back and sanded them down, repainted them and just ordered some new handles. And all of a sudden I had brand new cabinets in my garage and yeah, and so it's just kind of that mentality. It's nothing particularly complicated. It's just, uh, but no, you don't need to know how to weld. You don't really need to know how to woodwork. And So did you know enough people in the industry to kind of allow you to get the word out that you were providing these refurbished components? I did. Uh, yeah, I was very connected in, in the industry and in this region just from my previous job and you know, it's kind of funny, like, like I just threw out some feelers passively to let people know that it was more actually on the front of uh, letting people know that, hey, if knowing all my retailers in my zone, like, I mean, you can 
drive behind most retail like ski shops or surf shops or and it's not even just limited to outdoor sport but there'll always be like some sort of broken discarded fixture like by the dumpster and so my first step was really just letting everyone know that I had started a service where if they had broken or you know fixtures they were going to discard don't throw them out I'll come and pick them up and I mean it caught right away and uh, the retailers were stoked on it as they don't like throwing stuff out either and especially like the, the cost associated with the extra removal but uh kind of the cool part was just seeing that uh people in this region really do care and recognize that it's time for action and uh we'll do anything they can and so it, the calls began coming in immediately and word got around and yeah, and so that was kind of phase one. We started, there was no, like, there was no shortage, no shortage of uh, discarded material that, uh, of anything we had too much. I actually had to take out, I had my garage, my entire backyard, uh, two storage units, and I actually rented out my friend's backyard because uh, he had a large piece of property in Northern Reno to be able to accommodate all this stuff. And then, yeah, and then from the installation standpoint, I think what was really cool about it is, uh, you know, we really want to focus on being the green thing, being the green option. And because we don't actually have to pay for any material, we were able to save uh, the accounts we were working with 66% versus buying new. So retailers loved it from that standpoint where they could actually uh, get a lot more bang for their buck uh, with while also doing the sustainable and environmentally friendly thing. Nice. So typically would this industry be more like purchasing from national companies or international companies when they're purchasing these types of components is it kind of unusual yeah that's a really really good point so you i mean i don't even know how to calculate the carbon footprint associated with transit across you know and trucking around the country and i mean it, yeah, the stuff isn't easy to move. It, it, it's large and it takes up space. And yeah, and so uh, to be local, like we really, we found, learned pretty early on that we also need to help with like design assistance for figuring out what their store is going to look like. Um, just because we're, you know, also working with, you know, we have, we have what we have, right? And that's what we're trying to build with. So yeah, and uh but yeah, basically, long story short, like uh, the retailers that you know did choose to work with us were awesome in terms of uh, they basically just gave, gave us a set of criteria for what they needed and let us go to town with designing and building out a facility. And uh, we were really, really proud of the work we did. And our initial builds down at Mammoth actually utilized nothing new. We we went down to Sacramento to pull out, uh, someone was discarding slat wall, which is kind of a general retail component. We were actually able to use all the screws that we pulled out of their walls uh, to do all the installation at Mammoth. So like even Mammoth all the way down to the screws was uh, fully reclaimed. Excellent. I don't know, one of the things that kind of comes to my mind, I would think that if a company is trying to be green certified, that these kind of foundational decisions that they're making for a retail establishment is actually something that would be um, helpful to them when they're really trying to show the public that they are being more sustainable. So I would think, 
you know, your noting that would actually be helpful for them too, in some capacity. One of the things we do is we do actually have a brand, like, I mean, a physical like torch brand that um, anything that is at least 90% uh, upcycled material uh, gets branded somewhere on it so they can recognize it as kind of our stamp of approval of, hey, we, this is a fully reclaimed piece. Nice. Yeah, that's excellent. I, I Definitely, that's great. So how did you set up your company to start getting participation? Did you have like an incentives you offered or? Well, so it's interesting. It also, so the preface this, it, uh, or Tarantino, if you will, it gave me a little bit more faith that companies want to do the right thing because my thinking was that we were going to need to provide a tax incentive to get bigger companies to trust us and like make the domain donation. It had to make business sense, right? It, that actually, that hypothesis ended up being disproven specifically because companies were stoked on what we were doing in terms of it being sustainable and you know they're able to do the right thing uh but also the fact that they weren't actually you know if you look at the example from the company that i work for they didn't have to pay someone three hundred seventy-five thousand dollars to scrap it so money saved is money earned um and so the whole first year of operation we never actually had to write a single donation receipt people were just uh happy that it was going to be introduced back in into market responsibly um which is great just that's a really good sign for for the world yeah even and yeah it's, it's the company that i was working for like we even kind of began some programs to help you know to take steps towards sustainability for them you know have you heard this in the podcast uh, how i built this on uh, the impossible burger oh i've heard about it but i didn't actually hear it so one of the points and like kind of the whole thesis behind what they were trying to do and like make a successful vegetarian burger was specifically like their whole mantra was it didn't have to be better than all the other vegetarian burgers out there. It actually had to be preferred over an actual hamburger. And so they, you know, invested all this time and effort to build something that even meat eaters would prefer over actual meat. Yeah. And I, I would think that this type of program to some extent could also help companies that really do want to be sustainable to still give them options to kind of change their look and strive to look more modern and current and tend to, to kind of appeal to all those kind of human aspects that like change and newness, but at the same time, don't want to be really wasteful. Yeah. And it's cool too, because it's, we pride ourselves in, 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 a, in an elevated aesthetic. Like we, it's not enough to just put something back in market. We want to put it back in market and look good. And when some companies have like a rigid aesthetic that they'll want to change, but when you open up and you get this influx of material from an array of companies, all of a sudden it gives you so many options to be able to take components that work from one fixture to another and actually you can completely change it's it, it ended up being like surprisingly easy to change the aesthetic of what we were installing that also elevated the look of our retailers you know yeah yeah actually yeah thinking about that i think it's like i would imagine like a lot of i don't know just retail in general they'll kind of come up with a design and then everything is kind of 
designed around that core concept, but it's like, you're going to take the best from this and that and mix your own color in and like, so it sounds like you end up with something that actually might be really cool custom. Yeah, I mean, it definitely is like there's, uh, so on our website, uh, cadetspace.org, there's some more visual examples of what we did uh, specifically with not just for our other retail builds, but also when we we're building wells. And, you know, it, it's funny, we, we were donated a large lot of Under Armour fixtures, which, I mean, you know, like, I, I think Under Armour has an aesthetic as a brand, right? It's fairly industrial, kind of on the, you know, a lot of metal, a lot of, you know, a lot of grays and, you know, through just like, it was basically just a little bit of wood veneer and a little bit of paint ended up converting into this beautiful fixture that like boutique owners in the Reno area were, would be accepted, you know, they saw it in their shop and we, when we were kind of telling the story, they're like, wait, we can buy that for a store. Uh, yeah. And so it's just an opportunity of something that would end up in a landfill, not only ending up, you know, having a new life, but also thriving and enabling small business. Nice. Nice. That's really cool. So what are some of maybe the unique challenges um, that you've had when you're trying to rescue these fixtures and at really high volumes? Uh, storage is probably the biggest one. Storage and space to work. Yeah. I mean, it's, they take up a lot of space and they are heavy to move. We were lucky enough um, to be a community partner with the Reno generator in town last year when we were getting really neck deep and we were doing all these builds simultaneously. I mean, it was a ton of work, but they were uh, wonderful enough to actually give us space to operate and convert this stuff over. So basically we would have everything in storage, bring it there, refurbish, and then drive it out and install it. But yeah, I think the biggest one is actually, uh, biggest challenge for sure is, is the storage associated with it. Yeah. Um, so what are maybe some of the ways that you and um, others have enjoyed the rewards of all of your work in your first year? One is just the, the number one for me is just the number of the quantity of stuff that we've been able to upcycle, like hitting every, you know, I remember the day where like we crossed the hundred thousand pound threshold and it, you know, it, it seems when you're putting it on paper, like it seems crazy. And, you know, it, we finished it three months ahead of schedule. So one is just the fact that uh, as someone who really didn't pay attention to sustainability for my earlier years in life, I take pride in, in what we've been able to do, you know, to keep material out of landfill. The next is, I mean, we built some really, really cool stuff that I'm just stoked to look at from, yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it, it's kind of a little thing and it may just kind of be my thing, but I get excited by taking something old and making it new again and making it look really, really like even cooler than it was. Um, and then three is just, you know, has been helping our partners. You know, we started recently doing free retail build outs for, you know, smaller Reno based entrepreneurs who, you know, just being able to help enable their business, uh, enable the business of our, even our larger clients as well. Yeah, because we're, I mean, not having to pay for material, like we're not, I could care less about money at this point. I, I think it's just, you know, enabling small business while doing the sustainable thing, making it look good. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, the other exciting thing we're working on now is uh, 
So we're actually beginning to accept trade show booths as donation. So yeah, we started, I think the conversation last year, one of the members of our board of directors actually works for Emerald Expositions, which handles most of the trade shows in the country and uh, kind of put the feelers out and people were really, really, I mean, people jumped on them in no time, which was, I'm not going to say hilarious, but it was like, I had to, I'm like, you know, had to tell them to slow down a little bit because we were just not ready for like that size of donation all at once because we're talking like, you know, six truckloads for one booth of stuff that's going to show up. And I'm like, I do not, I'm not going to be able to get that in my yard. I don't know what to do with it. Um, but now we've kind of matured where our role currently is basically putting people in touch with what they need um, as an organization. So like, you know, looking at trade show booths and being like, okay, there's so much amazing stuff that we can use this for, it's beautifully designed, you know, who would this fit? Who does, who would need this um, that we know? And now it's kind of uh, happened a lot, especially through COVID where I can literally just, you know, I know these guys are getting, you know, shutting down a store and getting rid of, you know, a 19,000 square foot retail establishment uh, and all the fixtures inside of it. And then I happen to know other people who are looking to open up a store of a similar size and basically figuring out, okay, how do we enable all the stuff that's coming out of these stores uh, and get it over here to the people that are going to need it for the next next stop? Because I think kind of the cool thing while everyone talks about doom and gloom in, in brick and mortar retail, specialty retail is thriving. And so I think, you know, it's becomes our responsibility of helping small, medium, and big business thrive and making sure that we're keeping stuff out of landfills and, you know, continuing use and extending its life. Yeah. So that's what we're trying to do right now. So if your ideas, your experience, and your wisdom were all wrapped up into seeds of potential action for you to give to others, what advice would you give to someone might, who might be considering this in their own city or, or state? I honestly just say, call me. Um, you know, we, I am happy to share everything we've done. I'll let them know every pitfall, everything they're going to need to do the job and how to succeed and do my best to put them in touch with anybody that can help them succeed. Yeah. Call me, email me. I, you know, we, I, I built space for that to be copied, you know, and if it was 10 years ago, I might've, I would have wanted to build it up and had the ideas of building it up into an organization where, I mean, kind of, you know, like goodwill, but for people who were actually trying to start a store instead of just trying to turn and close. But as, you know, I, I think the clock's ticking and, you know, I, that's why I want to enable anybody that is into this idea and help them out in any, any possible way that I can. Cause every, everything that we can keep out of landfill, uh, and reintroduce back into market, it, you know, cuts down on carbon footprint of, of transportation and yeah, just overall trash contribution and new material being used, new resources, new metals, new woods. Uh, yeah. And like I said, it's none of what I'm doing is complicated or extraordinary. It's just, if you have the will to do it, you can succeed at it. And so my words of wisdom would be, uh, to reach out to me and uh, I'm happy to take the time to go over everything with anyone. Nice. So are you open, open to maybe partnering with other people in other cities and maybe working collaboratively to. Yeah. I would love to collaborate and yeah, I'm absolutely willing to collaborate. I'm so willing to help out and 
happy to share all my mistakes uh, and help them avoid those pitfalls. Yeah, we just need a lot of people contributing and helping out, especially like with as brick and mortar retail struggles, you know, there's going to be a massive influx of these retail fixtures going into landfills and getting discarded. And that's where we're in prime time now where, I mean, anyone who wants to do this, like I will bet a dollar that we can get them a hundred thousand pounds of material in a year, wherever they are. Excellent. Excellent. Um, well, thank you so much. Really appreciate your um, sharing this with us today. Thank you so much for having me on, Jenny. I really enjoyed speaking with Andrew. Andrew made an incredibly generous offer, and it really shows the kind of person he is and that he's doing this for all the right reasons. Personally, I would like to see Space Cadets succeed, and I think you all would as well. I believe our economy is probably going to continue to ebb and flow over the years and decades to follow, and I think this kind of company should be an option for every region. I appreciate how attainable he made this sound. I think that may be true, but I think as a creative person, he has brought his own unique style to what he's doing, and that has made him successful in his local Reno Tahoe area. Um, I think that everyone will bring their own unique style, um, and the concept is the most important part. So thanks, Andrew Frank, for working tirelessly, preventing thousands of pounds of waste of resources that would just be wasting away in some landfill. And thank you for offering to help inform others on how to do this in their own area. I hope there will be many to take up his offer and that Space Cadet will continue and hopefully in the future be very successful. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for Local Share Green Action. Until next time, let's all use our unique talents and abilities and take meaningful green local action that benefits the planet and people.